This morning we have scripture to hear a word fresh to fall upon our ears. I invite you to join me in our prayer of illumination. The words are found in your bulletin or on the screen. Friends, let us pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of the Holy Spirit, that as your scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. So our first scripture reading comes to us from the prophet Micah, from the sixth chapter, verses one through eight. This morning, I'm going to read from a couple of different translations. My apology, George, for not giving you a heads up. The translation that you'll see on the screen will be NRSV, but you also have Common English Bible in your pew. So you're welcome to follow along with whatever translation you happen to have. But hear now these words. Hear now what Yahweh says. Come, plead your case before the mountains and let the hills hear your voice. Listen to Yahweh's indictment, you mountains and you enduring foundations of the earth. For Yahweh has a dispute with the people and is putting Israel on trial. Oh, my people, what have I done to you? How have I wearied you? Give me an answer. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery. And I sent Moses to lead you and Aaron and Miriam. My people, call to mind the plans devised by the ruler Balak of Moab and how Balaam ben Boar answered him. Remember the journey from Shittim to Gigal and recall how Yahweh brought you justice. What shall I bring when I come before Yahweh and bow down before God on high, you ask? Am I to come before God with burnt offerings, with year-old calves? Will Yahweh be placated by thousands of rams or 10,000 rivers of oil? Should I offer my firstborn for my wrongdoings, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Listen here, mortal. God has already made abundantly clear what good is and what Yahweh needs from you simply do justice love kindness and walk humbly with your God our second scripture reading comes to us from the epistle written by Paul to the church in Corinth from the first chapter starting with verse 18 chapter 1 I'm reading the NIV. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. 
Jews demand miraculous signs, and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ, crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. So that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. These are the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God for it. We're going to pause right here because I know if I launch into another scripture passage, y'all, your eyes will glaze over. (laughs) So we're going to pause here for a minute and I invite you to pray with me. Gracious and loving God, thank you for the opportunity to come and to hear a word, your word that speaks into our hearts. Allow us to continue to have open ears to hear what you would have us hear this day, that the words of my mouth and the collective meditations of our hearts will be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So this morning, we are firmly planted in the season of epiphany. Very soon, we're going to move into the season of Lent where the life of Jesus is going to fast forward so quickly that we'll blink and it'll be Easter Sunday and we will celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. And yet, we find ourselves in this moment, remembering how God intended for God's purpose to be revealed not only to the Jewish people, but also to the Gentiles. That God is intending for the full reconciliation of all creation, a plan that was put into action before anything was spoken into being and what is coming to fruition in the flesh of Christ Jesus. When we listen to the words of Micah and we think about who the words were intended for. We need to understand how intimately connected Micah's message and when we hear Jesus speak in just a few minutes, how it's so connected to the prophet Isaiah. If you're familiar with Isaiah, 
you know that it was written over quite a long period of time. There was the pre-exile Isaiah and there is the post-exile Isaiah. Now imagine that you are no longer in the place that is familiar to you. You have been torn apart from your family. You are living in foreign lands. You are trying to make sense of how to stay faithful to your faith when you are taken away from your worship space, your temple. You're having to reimagine what this life can look like and still seek God's blessing in the midst. And then there is this word of hope. A message from God that this may be where you are right now and it will not always be like this. And we know this because we are standing on the other side of Jesus' life and ministry. That we stand 2,000 years later trusting in the words of Jesus that Jesus was teaching and embodying And living in to these old promises. We remember that Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law and the prophets. I came to fulfill them. For you see, Jesus embodies these hopes, these words, these promises of these people who had been in exile, who were just looking to be made right once again with God. This is the same message that Paul is speaking to. And if you were here last week, gave a little context about this letter that Paul was writing. Corinth was a port city and all kinds of people would go through. And yet there was the start of this movement, one that followed Christ and Paul was talking to a group of people that did not all think the same way. Didn't feel the same way, didn't read scripture the same way, didn't interpret it the same way. And and yet what's really interesting about Paul is that Paul doesn't choose sides. Paul points to something very different. That Paul says, your knowledge, your understanding of who God is, is not based on these different aspects or viewpoints. Rather, your personhood is dependent upon a perspective through the cross. Calling us that our knowledge, our wisdom, our understanding of who God is can only be realized through Jesus' life death, and resurrection. Jesus knows this. Jesus is teaching it, even though they don't all realize that that is what he's saying. So now I share with you from the gospel according to Matthew, from the fifth chapter, verses 1 through 12. This time I'm reading from The message. But for now, prepare for the worst, victim daughter. The siege is set. Nope, wrong chapter. Thank you, Micah. Here we go. I knew that didn't sound right. 
So let me put this into context. Jesus has started his ministry. And those who are hearing his teaching have chosen to follow him. And Jesus recognizes this. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught his climbing companions. This is what he said. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink and the best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even. For though they don't like it, I do. And all heaven applauds. And know that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God for it. Now, what strikes me about this is that Jesus has been teaching and healing. And when he notices the crowds, he goes up on a hillside. We call this the Sermon on the Mount, the sermon in which Jesus teaches so much about how to live this kingdom life. But the message really struck me to say that Jesus invited his closest and his nearest to go up that hillside with him. And not only that, but Jesus was teaching directly to them, the ones closest to them, to him. 
and speaking these words. And, and it shifted for me because oftentimes when I think about the Sermon on the Mount and I read it and I've read it and you've read it and we've read it, it's just like, oh yeah, Jesus is on this hillside and he is preaching this great sermon to all the people gathered. That's how I imagine it. Same for you. But yet the message turns that upside down for me, that what Jesus is actually doing is talking amongst his closest, his dearest, his nearest. And the crowd are probably trying to hear these words, but they're captured for us in the beauty of Scripture. And Jesus is is preaching and, and teaching and And sometimes when we read the Beatitudes, which is what these are, we think of it as a a list of, of things, right, to achieve within the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And I gotta tell you, that language sometimes gets lost on me. But it really does hit home when you say, when you have lost the thing you care the most about, I will be with you. brings it home and it makes me realize that Jesus is so near and so close that Jesus is not all the way up on a hillside unreachable or untouchable but rather Jesus is right here whispering into my very being offering these blessings as a fulfillment of the words of Isaiah So Jesus offers these words to point us to a few truths. First, that the kingdom of God is near. An eschatological promise. And the kingdom of God is near because Jesus was right there. It talks to the Christological perspective, meaning the Christ vision, that we are to understand these blessings through Jesus as our lens. It's almost like putting on rose-colored glasses and makes everything pink. Imagine putting on Jesus' glasses and seeing how Jesus would see things. That Jesus knows the innermost parts of our being, our hearts, our minds, our greatest needs. For me to know that God whispered blessings through Jesus in that time and in that space, those same blessings are being whispered to us today. That we can cling to these words of hope and trust that God is with us now and always. So if we trust that God is whispering blessings still into our lives, How are we whispering those blessings into the world? How are we inviting people to taste the best meal anyone has ever had? Right here. Grace is God's blessings whispered upon us the greatest meal we could ever have. 
thanks be to God for a love like that. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.